Marvel's Celestial Madonna and Celestial Messiah concepts are some of the most confounding in Avengers and Marvel cosmic history, mysteries wrapped inside Enigma's made of questions. Today I'll answer, what or who the heck is Marvel's Celestial Messiah? Why does the Messiah matter in 2020? What does this have to do with Jonathan Hickman's X-Men and the upcoming Empire event, and how Marvel's cosmic prophecies are on a collision course unlike we've seen? Hello, and welcome to Kraken Krakoa number 42, Marvel's Celestial Messiah in Empire and Hickman's Marvel Cosmic Scene. I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief, comicbookherald.com. If you like the channel, please consider liking and subscribing and sharing. You can find full comic book reading orders for events like Empire for Jonathan Hickman's X-Men over on comicbookherald.com. And as always, spoilers for discussed comics may follow. The history of the Celestial Messiah begins with the story of the Celestial Madonna, as told in the pages of the Steve Englehart-written Marvel comics, beginning in Avengers and extending through the likes of Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, and eventually an early 2000s eight-issue series called Avengers Celestial Quest. The quick version is that while with the Avengers, the Vietnamese mantis, mistress of the martial arts, learned of her prophesied role as the universe's Celestial Madonna. Although it was unknown to even Mantis until a ways into the saga, she had been trained by the priests of Pama, Kree pacifists loyal to the Katati, a plant-based alien race, in ways of telepathic empathy, making her the perfect human half of a Kotati human pregnancy. That's right, all this builds to Mantis marrying and sleeping with a tree. So yes, it's important right off the bat to accept that the basis for basically everything I'll be talking about today is tree sex. You have to be fine with that. Fine with that. Just leave your preconceived notions of mating at the door. Okay, moving on. The original Celestial Madonna saga runs through eight issues of the Core Avengers series, plus three giant size specials from 1974 through 1975. I'll include the exact reading order in the show notes. Again, essentially, Giant Size Avengers number four concludes with Mantis consummating a marriage with the Elder Katati in the recreated form of the just dead swordsman in order to give birth to the Celestial Messiah. Before we get to this messiah, though, it's really important to understand the Katati in terms of where they come from and what the relevance is for the Marvel cosmic landscape. In Marvel's late 2019 incoming teaser, building towards the 2020 Empire event, it was revealed both the Kree and Skrull were sending a message that said, Beware the Trees. For readers of the Celestial Madonna saga, this is a clear allusion to the Katati, long since confirmed, particularly with Empire tie-ins like Lords of Empire Celestial Messiah announced. Why might the Kree and Skrulls, for that matter, find themselves running scared of the returned Katati? This is an interesting question. And what has changed in the Katati that they appear to be stealthily assassinating Kree and Skrull agents? During Steve Englehart's Celestial Madonna Saga, back in Avengers in 1974 and 75, there's an ancient galactic history lesson that tells us one million years ago the Skrulls traveled to Hala, the emerging Kree homeworld, and challenged both the coexisting Kree and Katati to prove who was the superior galactic partner on Earth's moon. Long story short, when the Kree think the Katati are about to win, they effectively commit genocide and only a small amount of Katati survive. The Kree's actions basically spark the kree scroll War. That has more or less been an ongoing feud for all of Marvel history. It makes a lot of sense that the Katati might have some grievances to air out with both the Kree and the Skrull, resulting in a massive war in Earth's atmosphere in the pages of Empire. In the aftermath of the Celestial Madonna Saga, Mantis does in fact give birth to a baby boy she names Sequoia, Koi for short, the half-human, half-Katati baby, prophesized to become the Celestial Messiah. I'll note here again this prophecy stems from the priests of Pama and the Katati. 
It's also a prophecy that we see the likes of King the Conqueror and Thanos very fully buying into in the pages of Englehart's Avengers and Celestial Quest. Nonetheless, I can't emphasize this enough, taking prophecy as absolute truth is time and time again proven complicated, whether we're talking the fictional worlds of Harry Potter and Game of Thrones, or any number of sacred religious texts, or even the works of someone like Nostradamus. Plus, the Celestial Messiah prophecy is deliberately vague. It promises a quote-unquote perfect child who is destined to change the universe. But that can mean plenty of things. Over the course of Celestial Quest, Sequoia begins as an extremely surly teen who resents his mother for bailing on him after one year of raising him. Fair, before growing into his energy absorption power set and universe-saving messiah role. Naturally, this includes swinging a giant axe into Thanos with an all-time least cool hero line, you lack an axe in your tummy. To be fair, he was raised by plants. You can make the argument that Sequoia preventing the equally confounding universal threat that resulted from death and Thanos' consummation, I, I don't want to get into this, but there's there are a lot of consent problems with that, means that Sequoia has fulfilled his destiny as Celestial Messiah. But for my money, that feels kind of inadequate. Obviously, the language is meant to invoke religious figures like Jesus and to mix metaphors bring balance to the Force. Sequoia's actions in Marvel history haven't really gotten there. In many ways, I'm still looking for the answer to what it means to be the Celestial Messiah. Remarkably, since Celestial Quest, Marvel readers haven't seen hide nor hair of this Celestial Messiah. But, and this is where things get really interesting, there have been similar intertwined cosmic prophecies arriving, arising in that wake. And this is where the notion of the Celestial Messiah and Kree cosmic prophecy becomes particularly relevant in 2020. As recently as X-Men number 8 by Jonathan Hickman and Mamadur Srar, the Inhuman King Black Bolt has been referred to as both the Midnight King and the Celestial Messiah. This language dates back to Hickman's time on Fantastic Four, and begins a trend this decade of Marvel creators, namely Hickman and Al Ewing, mixing their own cosmic prophecy into the Marvel mix. In the pages of Hickman's Fantastic Four, more specifically FF, in a sequence that bounces from amazing artwork by Greg Coutini to amazing work by Steve Epting, it's revealed that not only did Black Bolt survive his apparent death in the 2009-ish, 2010 War of Kings, but also that he's destined to fulfill a Kree supreme intelligence prophecy to one day destroy the Kree Empire. The Supreme Intelligence takes a very Herod-like approach to this revelation, calling for the deaths of all the Kree-created Inhumans across the galaxy, with only five civilizations escaping. These would go on to be known as the Universal Inhumans, all sort of under Black Bolt's reign. Whereas the prophecy of the Celestial Messiah is covered in faith and hope in Avengers by Steve Englehart, the Kree's Black Bolt prophecy is awash in fear and destruction. Despite this, Black Bolt does ultimately sue for peace with the Kree, sacrificing the love of Crystal and Ronan the Accuser in order to break the chains of fate and forge his own path, at least until, as the Supreme Intelligence notes, everything dies. Admittedly, Hickman's use of Celestial Messiah to describe Black Bolt, which I've noted as early as New Avengers number 2 in 2013, is an oddly specific choice. Hickman's very good at concise, cool-sounding nicknames, see also Midnight King and King of the Dead, but the repetition of Black Bolt's role as Celestial Messiah, and doubling down in X-Men number 8 with the quote, the will of a Celestial Messiah cannot be denied, feels very intentional. I wouldn't have believed it prior to X-Men number 8, but I don't think Hickman's quite done with Black Bolt just yet. I also think the phrasing of a Celestial Messiah suggests a more interesting take on the original Celestial Madonna saga. You have the Priests of Pama for telling their Messiah, you have the Supreme Intelligence slash Kree Empire for telling their own, and then you'll have the third that we're about to look into. Varying visions of messianic salvation in the Marvel cosmic landscape are way more interesting than lying in wait for Sequoia to up and get super interesting himself. 
As far as where we stand with Black Bolt, last reader saw him was in Death of the Inhumans by Donny Cates and Ariel Olivetti, when Black Agar extended the true meaning of this prophecy to mean Kree and Inhumans alike must ultimately succumb to his final death scream. In essence, if he's going to truly bring about the end of the Kree Empire, that includes the Kree experimented upon peoples, the Inhumans. Kinda. The royal family of the Inhumans does seem to escape with their lives at the end of Death of the Inhumans, although what they're up to since that time, which I believe the series ended in 2017, is a mystery, awaiting the right moment, perhaps that moment coming in the pages of Empire. As teased, the third major cosmic prophecy comes from Al Ewing's time writing New Avengers, and clearly sets the stage for 2020's Mega Marvel Empire event. Ewing created a collection, a collective of Kree-Skrull hybrid peoples known as the Knights of the Infinite, who are working to fulfill the prophecy that one day the heir-slash-reincarnation of the first Kree-Skrull combo platter, Dorek Supreme, will bring the ultimate alliance to the galaxy. According to the Knights of the Infinite, this individual is the longtime young Avenger, Teddy Altman, a.k.a. Hulkling. Now, the seeds for Teddy's ascension atop the throne date back to some of his earliest appearances in Young Avengers. Starts around issues number 8, I think, through probably number 10. When both the Super Skrull and Kree warriors showed up to claim Teddy as one of their own, given his Skrull mother and Kree, in fact, Captain Marvel, father, it's a lineage Hulkling has been aware of for plenty of time now. And although he's not quite ready to take on the role in New Avengers, written by Ewing, by the time the Knights of the Infinite call again, presumably, in 2019's Incoming, Hulkling packs up his Star Sword is called Excalibur, which is awesome and only he can wield, and hits the road to kick off Empire. For my money, Teddy's prophesized place in the cosmic scheme makes the most sense, as his Arthurian narrative is designed to unify the strongest Kree-Skrull alliance the galaxy has known. I'll admit, though, Marvel's pre-Empire hype has me trying to figure out some of Teddy's motives. There's a lot of talk of holding Earth accountable for the atrocities they've committed against the Kree and Skrulls. Things like turning Skrull agents into cows, way back in Fantastic Four number 2. Or any number of various ways you can blame humans for Galactus, oh, I don't know, eating the Skrulls' throne world, and Hala getting destroyed in the Black Vortex saga. But Teddy's from Earth, and not only that, his romantic partner, Billy, is an Earthling too. If the stated prophecy is for Hulkling to bring love to the universe, an Imperial Armada sailing toward Earth is a very curious move indeed. As we approach Empire in May 2020, we have two of the known Celestial Messiah figures definitely included in the event. That would be Hulkling and Sequoia. And my prediction is we're in for a surprise inclusion of the third, Black Bolt and the Empire X-Men tie-in series, especially since we're talking comics taking place in the Blue Area of the Moon, the longtime home of the Inhumans. It'll be fascinating to see how these mythologies collide and unfold over the next several months and to see how years, often decades in the making seeds, can pay off in the hands of Al Ewing, Dan Slott, Valerio Shidi, and many, many others. For one final wild theory, all this talk of celestial messiahs does not outwardly appear to have direct connection to Marvel's known celestials, as created by Jack Kirby. It's very literal wordplay, but I'd love to see the concept actually work in the Celestials, which both Hickman and Ewing have played with in their various Marvel Cosmic stories. I especially like the idea that true Celestial Messiah should be capable of saving all life from the coming of the Celestial Judgment, as promised in the year 2026. Mostly I'm just pulling here for some Art of Black Bolt or Teddy straight roundhousing some Celestials, but this is Marvel Comics and Stranger Things have definitely happened. Thanks for listening to this wild and interconnected theorizing video. Again, I'm Dave. You can find my work at comicbookherald.com. If you have thoughts of your own, comments, theories, opinions, please leave them in the comments here on the YouTube channel. Or, of course, go on over to CBH, or you can find me anywhere at 
comic book herald look for the best comics ever in my marvelous year podcast to find more of our reading clubs going through the marvel universe and as always if you just want to talk comics i would love it if you would reach out and share some of your thoughts always super fun so thanks everybody for listening and as always enjoy the comics (laughs) 